do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Oh, shit. Oh, man. I'm really dropping the ball here. Well, what do you expect? I haven't recorded a podcast. <clears throat> Look, voice gone, second one. I haven't recorded a podcast in weeks, which we'll get into later. My name, hello, is Jordan Maywood. Oh, I don't even have the timer ready. Oh, my God. It's like I forgot how to do this. Hello, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical liberal keepergalists. This show is like a... a peering into my brain to see all the media I have consumed. I, I pour it forth so it does not sit up in that dusty attic that is my brain and slowly drive me insane. I pour it, pour it into the internet using funnels and, and pistons and other devices that move things from point A to point B mechanically. That's what I do. Uh, I think, uh, I don't think I've ever recorded an episode where the things I'm going to talk about happened so far in the past from my point of view, so we'll see how that goes, uh, by pushing this button that will start a series of five, five minute timers like this. Gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Backler Landscaping. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, continuing on with my James Bond movie a week every week. Uh, we're moving on to Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, this is a Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is a Pierce Brosnan a James Bond movie, and uh, one that I thoroughly enjoyed, as it has Terry Hatcher, which is nice, Michelle Yeoh, who's now in Star Trek Discovery, um, the bad guy, Jonathan Price, he's sort of interesting, I wish Rick J. Uh, Rick J, probably an actor you would recognize, he sort of plays the techie guy in this, he would have made a, a, be a better sort of main bad guy, I feel like. Uh, Vincent Chiavelli, Dr. Kaufman, uh, Dame Judi Dench we got in there. Uh, in terms of James Bond's ratings, um, this one's kind of weird in some regards. Like, the bad guy, both uh, in terms of the actor and the plan that he has to work with, not great, I will admit. Um, but then there's other good things. Uh, so... It balances out to a solid three-ish, let's say. Let's say that, because it was many weeks ago that I watched it, so I don't remember exactly. Moving on to movie the second, Mute. Mute. 
mute. M-U-T-E, mute. A mute bartender goes up against his city's gangsters in an effort to find out what happened to his missing partner. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe this is a Netflix-created, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, movie. <coughs> oh, boy. Uh, when I forget what a movie is called, not a good sign. Uh, the uh, titular mute, <laughs> played by uh, Alex Skarsgård. Uh, you got Paul Rudd in there, who uh, I kind of don't think I've ever seen a movie with Paul Rudd where I haven't enjoyed it. So, you know, that's just good stuff there. Uh, Noel Clark may recognize from a Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of names you might uh, recognize. Them. It's, it's sort of a dark, action-y comedy thing, which... Uh, if you are familiar with any of my ratings of movies, you will know that dark comedies are usually my favorite. Throw some action in there on top, why not? Uh, I think I'd go like a solid four-ish out of five, if I do recall. If I do recall. Uh, moving on to The Gift. Oh yeah, this is one that I've heard about like a million times and finally watched. Uh, it stars uh, Jason Bateman. Um... And I always heard about this movie that uh, Jason Bateman, it's like unlike any movie he's ever been in before. And after watching it, I can verify. It gets uh, it gets dark in a, in, in a good way. Uh, normally he's sort of like the, the straight man in a comedy movie is how I would normally sort of pigeonhole him. Uh, which is not a nice thing to do to someone. Uh, but in this, he really uh, sort of shows off his acting chops and... Uh, let me the to see if it gives anything away. It might, it might not. I don't. Tailspin. When an acquaintance from the husband's in a whoring secret to light after more than 20 years. What is the secret? Find out for yourself. Movie the fourth and last is Caddyshack. Yeah, I decided to uh, in uh, quite a while and kept hearing about uh, how re-watching of this movie it doesn't hold up, and uh, it's, it's a fine movie. I, I don't know what people are talking about. Uh, this is, of course, coming from someone who is a, a self-admitted horrible reviewer of things as I like most things. And if you're going to review things, you're supposed to not like them and say mean things about them. But uh, no, I like this movie. So, there. Uh, God damn you, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I, I, I had laughs. Uh, it's dumb. Uh, keep in mind you're going into a dumb movie and you will have fun with said dumb movie. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this movie, what are, where have you been? Under a, a, a golf bag? Ah. Uh, yeah, it's a, a typical 1980s uh, comedy goofy movie. It takes place on a golf course. You've got Bill Murray. You've got... Uh, uh, Chevy Chase, or Chevy Chase, if you prefer, Rodney Dangerfield, Ted Knight, uh, other people, <laughs> uh, Brian Doyle Murray, which is, I do believe, Bill Murray's brother, makes an appearance. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a 80s comedy movie, period, full stop, plus we're out of time, so obviously full stop. Today's television talk sponsor is food. Thank you for that sponsorship. 
Oh yeah, uh, okay, so this, uh, as I may have mentioned a little bit, uh, from my perspective, it's been a, a weeks since I've watched this television show, The Misses and I, uh, but we watched uh, one a week for six weeks. I do believe it, it is renewed for a second season. I'm talking Somebody Feed Phil. The Phil in question is, of course, Phil Rosenthal. Yes, freaking love that guy. Uh, I think I spoke of him on a uh, internet intercourse, how he was sort of making the rounds, plugging this show, uh, which is a delight because he's an amazing podcast guest. Um, uh, the show, the show that he was plugging uh, is a travel food show. Uh, I can't go wrong with a travel food show. I, I find they're always interesting. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, probably in particular, but... Uh, as long as you have some personality, a travel food show is a, just a goddamn delight. And when you have the personality of a Phil Rosenthal uh, and can sort of experience these travels through the eyes of him, uh, it, it's just delightful to untold levels of delightfulness. He is just such a happy dude, uh, famously in Hollywood circles, uh, just a nice, nice person give you the shirt off his back type guy uh sees uh, as they say people who see uh the world through rose colored glasses he's got that mixed with a combination of uh, uh pepperoni pizza colored glasses I, I like everything he talks of sort of comes back to food i feel like so i i don't think anyone could be more perfect to host a travel food show someone who is uh happy Go lucky, nice, kind, funny, uh, and then on top of that, this sort of brings everything back in his seemingly everyday, normal, day-to-day -day life back to food. Uh, like when he was doing the podcast rounds, uh, inevitably, and I don't think just because of the show, like I, I've seen him on interviews that had nothing to do with him plugging the show and he still talked of food. <laughs> it's pretty incredible, his, his, his love of the subject. Okay, so where did he go in season one? Uh, Episode one was Bangkok, then Saigon, then Tel Aviv. Uh, he is, if you are unaware, uh, a Jewish individual. So that one was, was sort of interesting, returning uh, to Tel Aviv there. Uh, Lisbon, New Orleans, or New Orleans, or New Orleans, if you prefer any of those. And uh, last but not least, Mexico City. Uh, I think out of all of these... Uh, Lisbon, my, I don't know if that was my favorite one, but uh, it definitely gave me uh, perhaps a desire to uh, travel to Portugal. I already sort of had that desire. My grandfather used to go there um, like almost every year uh, for the, just like a couple of weeks vacation sort of thing and uh, told me stories of it all the time. So that combined with now seeing this. The only thing I don't like of a lot of these places, Bangkok, Saigon, yeah, I think every, yes, every single one of these places known for its heat. And I mean actual physical temperature. Being a Canadian, uh, the fear of going hot places is large in my mind uh, at all times. I don't do well in the heat, so uh, that sort of scares me off. The, f the food that he eats ranges from uh, incredibly delicious looking to, damn, I want to try that to, you know, uh, some tough things on the other end from time to time. Uh, strange, which I, I, I don't actually uh, shy away from strange food necessarily, but there's food that is both strange and not good looking. <laughs> and, and and it could be normal and, and not good looking. It, it looked like it would taste not good. 
Phil, uh, part of the show would, uh, at, at one point about halfway through the show, he would uh, Skype with his parents who had to be in their 90s, pushing on, pushing on their 100s. I wonder who set up the Skype for them. <laughs> Uh, so, so that was pretty, uh, pretty adorable. Uh, the missus liked that as she's a fan of old folks. Uh, Somebody Feed Phil was a sort of a, a split off from a PBS show as well that, uh, I'm trying to get my hands on, but I can't find it anywhere. Uh, easy, easy, easy for me to give it a five out of five. Somebody feed me. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know that we decimal system... Book banter. Today's book banter, or rather double movie monologue sponsor, is water. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, not one but two James Bond movies. This one is The World Is Not Enough. Famously one of the worst James Bond movies, I do believe. A lot of it potentially has to do with uh, Denise Richards' <laughs> Dr. Christmas Jones being really a not very good actress. Uh, again, similar to uh, the first movie, I like this one as well. It uh, some, some of it doesn't make sense. Some of the acting is not so great. Uh, story, you know, things don't always make sense in a James Bond movie, but uh, whatever, there's lots of action. Pretty, pretty girls. Uh, James Bond undercovers a nuclear plot. See, at least that's a little more interesting than the last one. When he protects an oil heiress from her former kidnapper, an international terrorist who can't feel pain. Oh yeah, that was sort of an interesting... Uh, he had like a... It was a bullet uh, in his brain. Uh, doctors couldn't remove it, and it was like slowly moving its way uh, deeper and deeper into his brain where one day it was kill it. One day it would kill him, but the sort of side effect, it was killing off his uh, body's ability to feel pain. That's, uh, seems unlikely, but also, Hey, why the hell not? Uh, was this the first one with John Cleese? Might've been too. Love John Cleese on anything. Uh, who's the cigar girl? Oh, just looking at the M Imda. Check out Maria Grazia Chicanuta Nata. She played the cigar girl in this movie, which I don't remember that part. Uh, yeah, it's a James Bond movie. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, I like. He, he, he's a good James Bond, whatever. Oh, rating. Uh, sure, three. Okay, fine. Uh, moving on to uh, The Shape of Water. Ah, the missus and I watched this the day before, spoiler, that it won the uh, uh, Oscar? Oscar, yeah. Oscar for Best Picture. So, did we have a hand in that? Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A top secret research facility in the 1960s, a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity. Yeah, uh, this is a weird movie, but it's also a very, very good movie and a very beautiful movie, which is uh, something that Guillermo del Toro does very, very well and has always sort of fascinated me, is a combination of things that maybe on their surface are ugly, but uh, when you sort of uh, take them in, think about them, look at them, stare at them, they sort of reveal their beauty, which is a, a pretty incredible feat. Uh, the movie itself, 
loved it. Richard Jenkins, uh, being a uh, Buffy fan and a um, Joss Whedon fan, if, if you like that, you're going to like some Richard Jenkins. Uh, Michael Shannon and anything he does, uh, the creepier the better, I say. And uh, uh, the, 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 the Amphibian Man, as he's uh, titled here in, on IMDA, Doug Jones, uh, sort of an actor that... Uh, probably you have seen in things and not realized it which is sort of fascinating uh hellboy probably being the most uh um the most obvious uh but also uh star trek discovery yeah so uh, i have spoken of him uh, in my star trek discovery talks oh i can't wait until that's back so uh, the shape of Water, easy five out of five goes without saying but i say it anyways moving on to mr holmes from 2015 uh yeah this one was uh interesting um uh, like anything Sherlock Holmes in general, uh, like Ian McKellum in anything. So put them both together, and when you get a Sherlock Holmes movie with Ian McKellum playing the titular, <laughs> that's twice I think, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes who's sort of suffering from dementia. So the uh, it's it's pretty dark. This is a good. Uh, this comes up a lot. Uh, a good Sunday movie. Uh, if, if you're just looking to chill, maybe it's raining outside. Get under the covers. Watch a movie where it's it's pretty sad, as you can imagine, um, but you know there's there, there's some joy and sadness and uh, Mr. Holmes. Uh, we'll give a five out of five. Uh, moving on to the fifth wave. Uh, we're out of time. It wasn't very good. I'd go like a two out of five. I didn't really care for it. Boo the fifth wave. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is Puzzle Box, a.k.a. Women, am I right? <clears throat> okay, so uh, talking a mobile game, which I almost never do, or haven't in quite a while anyways, uh, The Room, colon, Old Sins. Yes, I have reviewed on this podcast every single The Room game from The Room to The Room 2, and now The Room, colon, Old Sins. Uh, it's pretty much i don't know why i don't really seem to be into mobile gaming like i used to be it's basically the only game i sort of look out for or ever really uh purchase for my uh, phone uh but the reason i do is because they are consistently uh really really good and interesting games uh it's I think what you would call a room escape game is the, the sort of genre of this game. And uh, you find yourself in a series of different rooms and puzzles within these rooms you have to solve. Uh, there's a sort of a whole puzzle throughout. Uh, this one sort of takes place, uh, sort of interesting, takes place in an attic where there's like this giant dollhouse. So you're looking at different spots on the dollhouse and then things will sort of open up as you solve puzzles, and then you actually sort of go into the dollhouse, into its various rooms. You're sort of like, it, 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 you're not actually doing this, it's more like, I don't know, magical, I guess you would say, but kind of feels like you're shrinking down and going into the rooms of the dollhouse and then solving those puzzles. Some of the puzzles will, you'll need things from one room to solve a puzzle in another room. Uh, you'll never really 
feel incredibly lost. It does have like a hint system, so if you're stuck on something, uh, a, a series of more and more obvious hints will pop up. And uh, I, I never got stuck where I would need more than the first hint. Uh, and it was usually after taking a break and sort of forgetting what I was doing. So uh, the, I think that's a good sign of a puzzle game. That combined with the fact that when you did solve a puzzle, uh, you sort of, you, you do feel a sense of accomplishment, especially some of the more uh, crazy ones. Uh, it, it uses the phone very well, so you're sort of moving around, manipulating things. Uh, really, these, these, these games are, are great in general. If, if you ever play a uh, phone game, I would recommend this series as a whole. Start at the beginning. There's a, a sort of a story connecting them all. It's, it's very weird and dark. Uh, this one had a very strange ending that I, I'm, I'm so... I, I will admit, I am curious where this game is headed uh, in terms of the actual story, because it doesn't really matter in terms of the gameplay of the story. It's like two separate entities almost, but it's, uh, it's sort of interesting. Okay, so moving on, uh, I wanted to just fit in a little bit about uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, not specifically the game, just my uh, anticipation of the game. Uh, I, f I could no longer resist, and finally got myself a Switch, got myself a Breath of the Wild, and I haven't turned on the, the PC that I'm currently recording this into in a couple of weeks. I haven't recorded a podcast. Uh, I've barely been watching movies. I, I've just been focusing in on this game, laser-targeted, and my anticipation of it sort of waiting for it to come, and it's just building and, 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 and looking at wikis and deciding how I'm going to play uh, and what I'm going to do first and what I'm going to do next. It, it just... In, in, I don't think I've felt about a game like that since maybe a Fallout game. Uh, even so, uh, then Fallout 4, I probably felt that and then was... Uh, I wasn't disappointed with Fallout 4 by any means. I played the shit out of it and I loved it. But uh, compared to this game where it's really, really pulled me into an incredible degree. Like, I'm sort of planning my life around it, I feel like. Like, I'm trying not to watch as many movies just so I don't uh, have to spend time recording podcasts, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, like, all these movies I watched weeks ago, and it's just they sort of built up to a point uh, where I had to record this or else I felt like I would let them go to waste, which is not a good feeling. Uh, needless to say... There will be game gabbins in the future where I get my uh, Zelda talk on. Uh, if you listening to this have anything specific you want to know about Zelda, sure, let me know. Why not? Hey, stranger things have happened. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is the Boring Company Flamethrower. Thank you for fat, fat sponsorship. Item the first, Kulop Velisok's final episode of Who Charted. Jesus. That uh, sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, literally there one week, gone the next. Uh, it, was, it was shocking to my system. Uh, if you are a fan of the podcast Who Charted... Um, you would already know about this. <laughs> From uh, your perspective, it happened many weeks ago. Uh, I'm curious how Howard is handling it. Uh, I will say, after the first two episodes, uh, sans Kulop, 
uh, one with Paul F. Tompkins, which obviously you you got to get Paul F. in there if you're if you're for your podcast in general, but for occasions like this, yes. And then I listened to one today with uh, Natasha Legero, who I'm uh, a big fan of. Uh, I think uh, Howard's doing all right. Uh, I miss Kulap. I hope she comes back uh, and pops in from time to time. In fact, I let her know that on uh, Instagram, uh, and she gave me uh, whatever a heart like. Uh, I forget what it is over there. So that was nice of her. Uh, my theory, although she didn't quite go out and say it, was uh, I know her and Scott, this is not a secret, her and uh, Scott Ackerman trying to have a baby. So probably that has played into the decision a little bit. She said it was sort of revolving around uh, she couldn't do some of the things she wanted to do while doing this podcast. Uh, yeah, well, some sense can be made of that, I'm sure. Okay, uh, moving on to my Zelda Breath of the Wild rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, before I bought the game, I just started watching a shit ton of videos about how to do different things. I, I wanted to go in prepared. Uh, I wanted to, like, I didn't spoil anything. And you know what? I somehow, some way, I'm usually pretty good at this and somehow did even better than normal uh, with Zelda. I, I, I went in knowing absolutely nothing about the story. Zip Zilch Zero which uh, I think is pretty impressive. Like, all, all, all I was looking for was gameplay-related things. And and <clears throat> specifically, a lot of the videos I watched were uh, things with titles like uh, Things I Wish I Knew When I First Started Playing Zelda. <laughs> it's because I knew at this age I probably wouldn't, like I would in the past, play this game and then start back at the beginning and play a in a second playthrough i wanted to do as much as possible and uh just a little hint of that uh i'm debating going for all the shrines and all the seeds uh, debating debating and and have worked towards it so far i don't know if i'll continue on with that we'll see um but uh still um musk watch oh yeah uh, musk watch uh i don't know if i brought this back and the fact that i wasn't sure if i brought back uh, the Nerdist uh, web series, let's call it. Sure, Muskwatch. Uh, saddened me because I watch it every week. Uh, and uh, every episode has been a goddamn delight. Uh, stars uh, Kyle Hill and Dan Casey, uh, a.k.a. Musk, uh, Elon Musk's kids. Not really, but they sort of uh, hint at the possibility of that fact. Uh, and it's just stories about Elon Musk uh, and sort of the shit he's up to every week. The fact that they could fill like a, a sizable uh, show every week, sometimes I think it's, is it on once a week or twice a week? Shit. Uh, with just stuff that Elon Musk is up to is fascinating and even more fascinating is Elon Musk itself. So uh, if you're, if you want to know what uh, the world's uh, super genius is up to, go to check out Muskwash. <laughs> I feel like Muskwatch on uh, YouTube or over on Nerdist. Uh, last but not least, uh, my next guest needs no introduction, which is a uh, Netflix... I'm going to go ahead and call it a podcast with David Letterman. Yeah, uh, I tricked the missus, who does not like podcasts, uh, into watching this. Uh, we only watched the first episode. I don't know if uh, she will continue on. The first one was uh, David Letterman sitting down and interviewing uh, Barack Obama. Uh, when it was over, I, I let the, uh, Mrs. know that I tricked her into basically watching a podcast. 
Uh, there's there's some some visual things uh, that you would miss if you just listen to it, but for the most of the part, uh, it's just two dudes sitting shooting the shit, as podcasts quite often are. Uh, miss David Letterman. Uh, somehow, some way, back in high school, I used to watch him um, every night. Which, being someone who's always had to go to bed early, it's sort of surprised that I was able to do that, but. Uh, good to see him back in fighting form. Folks, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper